Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Lark Smith and Stan Huff. And we are here for another visit to the mound. And today, our special guest is former big league pitcher and twins pitching coach Neil Allen, drafted by the Mets out of the Kansas City's. Bishop Ward High School in 1976, and three years later, the Mets called him up as a starting pitcher, and he got his first start against Mike Schmidt, Tim McCarver, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Neil, thanks for being with us today. Uh, please tell us about facing those future Hall of Famers as a 21-year-old rookie in your very first outing at the big leagues. Well, it was uh, it was uh, needless to say, I was uh, I was in shock. I was nervous. I'd never been in an environment like that. Uh, you know, we were coming up as a rookie, as we all know, and uh, uh, it was uh, something that uh, really was surreal, I guess you could say, because it's something that you dream about and think about from the time that you're a little boy. And uh, uh, it, when it finally happened, I think it took me five innings to settle down, and then I was out of the game. <laughs> so what, let me ask, Neil, let me ask you, where were you when they when they gave you the call? Were you in Jackson? I was in uh, no, I was in spring training. I was in spring, oh, spring training in 79. Okay. And uh, uh, the bags were all packed and everybody was uh, heading for the buses and stuff. And uh, I just took my bags and, and, and had them there at the ballpark. And because uh, nobody had talked to me. Joe Torrey was the manager at the time. And yeah. uh, nobody had talked to me. And then I got to the ballpark with my bag. And uh, then Joe Torrey finally called me in that morning and said, uh, you're going to New York. And that's how I found out I was going to the big leagues. Was that a shock uh, or were you expecting it? Uh, no, actually, I was kind of shocked uh, because there was a couple other guys that uh, we had too many players on that last day of spring training. And there was like two pitchers that had to go somewhere. And uh, <laughs> one was traded and one was sent down and I was the one left standing. And uh, <laughs> so I was, I was very, I was very shocked because I thought for sure one of the other two were going to make it because they were veteran type guys. And, uh, uh, and they went with the 21 year old kid. They really shocked me. And uh, so I was very happy needless to say. And I remember, I remember getting on the phone though. And that was the, the thing that I'll remember most about that, and, and God rest their souls, my mom and dad are both gone now, but I, I got to call them. And, boy, that was really a touching conversation. Uh, you know, as, as you've heard many times before by a lot of people, that, uh, uh, you know, how much our folks do for us. And oh, yeah. uh, to call home and have the opportunity to thank them for everything. 
Well, did because, they, they uh, have the opportunity to come see you pitch that first game or no? No, they did not have that. We we didn't come from a lot of money, and I think I was making <laughs> – I think I was making nineteen thousand that year, so I thought I was Hugh Hefner and I never worked again. I thought I was loaded with nineteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Boy, and, you're up uh, there, kiddo. Nineteen grand. Oh I went from six hundred a month to nineteen grand and I thought I was I was I said, I'll never work again, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy. And and my mom and dad, we didn't have much money and things like that. So they they did come uh, when I came to St. Louis because I was close to Kansas City. Okay. And that's when they first saw me pitch in the big leagues. Outstanding. That's well, great. Later that first season, the, the Mets moved you over to a closer's role. Did that require a different mindset on your part, or was that an easy transition from starter to closer? Well, you know, it, it, it depends on your arm more than your mind. Uh, a lot of people have asked me that question, and I had the kind of arm, thank God, that was resilient and could bounce back, and uh, I could throw every day and stuff. And and at the time when they moved me, it was a good move because Neil Neil wasn't doing all that well, and he was uh, becoming a short starter, if you know what I mean, <laughs> two and a third. <laughs> Oh, uh, two and a third, three and a third, maybe five if I'm lucky. It just wasn't working out because at that time, you know, I, I find out later on as you go, you learn who you are and a lot about yourself when you're in the major leagues because you've got to do a lot of evaluating on yourself day in and day out to, to be able to stay there. And when I arrived, I had a fastball and a curveball, uh, which my catcher right there, Mr. Stan Huff, knows. And <laughs> I did not throw a changeup. I did not throw a cutter. And you don't start and try to go numeral, you know, numerous innings when you just have two pitches. Uh, makes sense to me. That's for that's yeah. for a short relief role, really. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, you 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 go to relief when you're that kind of guy. And that I come to notice and 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 know more of uh, as I've gone on to be a coach and things like that. And You've got to have three pitches or more to be a starting pitcher. You've got to you've got to control the zone with your fastball, and if you don't, you're in trouble. And if you're a young guy with two pitches, you're not getting your fastball over that night. You got one ball to go, one pitch to go to, and that's a curveball. And veteran hitters like Steve Garvey, uh, Ron Say, Davey Lopes, Rick Mundy, you know, guys like that, uh, they know that that there's a young kid on the mound. He's struggling with his fastball, and uh, no matter how hard you throw or what you do, if you're not getting your fastball over, you're in trouble, and especially at the major leagues. True. Um, so when you get behind an account and things like that, and you got to throw your curveball for strikes, and you're not throwing that for strikes, well, then you're in a lot of trouble, and you're a starting pitcher, and you're in the middle of a major league stadium with 60,000 people staring down on you. It can get a little nerve-wracking at times. So. When the move was made to put me in the bullpen, it was probably a blessing in disguise, which now later on it turned out that it got me almost 11 years in the big league. So it was a blessing because that's what I needed to do. I was a two-pitch pitcher, and uh, that was a relief. And now we all know that that was a relief pitcher's type uh, arsenal, two pitches. Uh, a starter always has three or four pitches. And, uh, and I found that out as I go, went along. And some people said, were you mad at the Mets for not – Giving you a change-up. No, 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 I'm not. Um, I should have brought that on myself. I, I kind of messed with a little bit of a slider 
even in the bullpen, I mess with a little bit of a slider just because of what I learned as a starter, that when you're not getting your breaking ball over, if you're not getting your fastball over, you got to have something to go to. Yeah. And so I messed with a slider a little bit. But uh, it was an experience, and uh, it was a blessing in disguise for me to go to the bullpen. Well, uh, me, it was one of those. Let me, let me interrupt here. Who was, what pitching coach helped you the most if, along the way? Oh, I had a few of them. They were pretty doggone good. Um, uh, I had Rube Walker was a guy that was very patient with me. He was the New York Mets pitching coach, and uh, and I remember one time having a sit down conversation with Tug McGraw, and he said to me, "You know, we all love Rube, and uh, Rube was Rube was the kind of guy that he had the same pair of shoes for I swear fifteen years, and he came in they were like slippers every day. Probably the same pair and, of socks and underwear too. Oh yeah, and uh, I knew he would come too. in. <laughs> He would come in and slip into those slippers, and he would come to the mound, and he'd kind of slide along and everything like that. And he was kind of funny, but uh, I remember Tug was telling me one time, he goes, listen, Rube may not look like a pitching coach, and Rube may not sound like a pitching coach sometimes, but Rube knows what he's talking about. And he goes, you got to give him some some leeway and a long leash because – he ain't going to waste his time with you if he doesn't feel like you belong there. And for the longest time, <clears throat> he didn't talk to me. And I didn't I didn't belong there when I was a starting pitcher. I did not belong there. And then when they put me in the bullpen and I started having some success, that's when Rube started talking to me. <laughs> there you go. And so things went really well, and I loved Rube Walker. I really had a good time with him. But, uh, you know, I had some good pitching coaches um, over with the, the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I had uh, Mike Rourke, who was Bruce Shooter's pitching coach for many years at the Chicago Cubs. Right. And then came over to the Cardinals when Bruce came. And uh, he, he was very, very patient. He was very uh, – he would set you down in between outings, uh, like the next day bring you in and look at some film, which really film wasn't a huge factor back in those days. You just kind of felt your way through things. And uh, he'd bring in, he was the first guy I ever watched film with. So breaking it down on film was a heck of a lot easier than just talking about it. And so in that regard, I remember Mike Rourke was the first one to really help me off film and to show me exactly what it was I was doing wrong. But, uh, you know, everybody had a hand in here and there. And, and a lot of times the guys in the bullpen, uh, there's some guys that were in the bullpen that were very, very sharp. I mean, I had Mike Marshall with me, Skip Lockwood with me, Pat Zachary with me, um, Lynn Gregor, Craig Swan with me. I mean, I had people around me that were really smart pitchers, and they taught me an awful, awful lot. And then, of course, you know, you hang around the locker room in spring training, and, you know, you got Kuzman and Matt Lack and Seaver that kind of pick their brains a little bit. So it was just uh, as a rookie, you don't get to talk much anyway. At least in those days, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Neil, you, Stan, and I you, are both uh, both high school teammates of Pat and Zachary, so I got to believe that there was some few hijinks in that uh, in that bullpen as well. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that man. That man, oh, he could, he could have you splitting your shorts laughing in a heartbeat. He was he was funny, and I loved being around him. He, he'd keep things light. That's for sure. When Things were going along. Zach would always pop a joke here and there, and he was just 
he was just, I mean, everybody on that pitching staff just loved that because uh, he was great with the young guys, especially, and I really loved having him on my team. Well, he is a wonderful guy. I'll yeah, absolutely. That. We're talking to Neil Allen, former big league pitcher with the Mets, Cardinals, Yankees, White Sox, Indians. Tell us a little bit about your experience with the White Sox and the Indians. Well, you know, if you, if you can look at the at the black on white there on the paper, it, it wasn't very fun. It was just one of those things where, <laughs> where, really, to be honest with you, it was uh, oh, uh, it was just just bad times at that time. It was one of those kind of gigs where uh, you just weren't pitching well, and, uh, and it was just just not uh, a good time and. And uh, I, you know, the ball's up. You're behind the count, and that's a, just a recipe for trouble, no matter where you are. Right. And uh, there was times that uh, I think I lost my confidence completely, and uh, I think that I just had to rebuild uh, who I was and and uh, how I came. Up. I mean, just really build myself back up mentally because it took a couple of years after I left St. Louis. Uh, when I was traded for Keith Hernandez, that was some work mentally to to get yourself on track. Because uh, when I finally got out of there and got over to the Yankees, it was it was really a a lifesaver for me because mentally I had to move on. Who was your manager with the Yankees that year? Uh, that was uh, let me see that year with Billy Martin. Yeah, it was Billy Martin. Oh boy, <laughs> that's, that's a tough assignment. <laughs> Well, I, you know what? I remember I loved I loved Billy Martin, and I loved that team, and it was just uh, it was just a, a fun thing. It was it was a it was a breath of fresh air for me to move on with my career out of St. Louis at the time. And believe it or not, New York Yankees were a breath of fresh air. You don't hear many people say that, but it was a breath of fresh air for me. Um, I, I loved playing for Billy. I loved playing for Art Fowler, the pitching coach. And uh, I remember one day we had Mike Pagliarillo at third base. And uh, we had Ron Guidry on the mound. He was throwing a one-hitter and, uh, and against Baltimore. And it was the ninth inning. And uh, we were winning two to one. And he walks in. He, he, Billy goes, get out there, Art, and talk to him after he gave up a single in the ninth. And he's walking out there and walking out there and he's sliding along, sliding along. And he's got that North Carolina accent. And uh, he gets out there and he gets to the edge of the dirt by the mound. And it already took him five or ten minutes to get to the mound. <laughs> and, and Mike Pagliarulo is standing right there on the edge of the dirt on the mound. And he puts his glove over his mouth and he goes, Art, get the hell out of here. I'm going to beat you up in front of all these people. <laughs> and he turned around and made a circle and went back to the mound or went back to the dugout. And everybody's looking around going, what the hell did he say to him? He goes, he didn't say nothing to him. He goes, because he goes, Tyrell told me to go kick my ass. <laughs> in, in those situations, so, I'm sure that Stan knows the answer to this question better than I do, and, but I want, to, want you to answer it. When you're a big league pitcher, do you are you more concerned with your or is your pitching coach more concerned with you as opposed to the manager? You know what I think so. Uh, as a pitching coach, uh, you you, ha you have to have a relationship with all your pitchers, and uh, 
first of all, you've got to show that you care about each individual 110% and you're in their corner through thick and thin. And, uh, you know, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon of, uh, oh, let's say Garrett Cole today or uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw. It's the guys that are that are four and four with a 70 ERA, 60 ERA that we've got to get through to because they're the ones we're going to need in September and October. Absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, so it's so important to talk to guys that are at the middle of the road during the summer and make sure you keep them pumped up, keep their confidence up. Let them know that you're in their corner. Let them know that you believe in them. And if you don't, it could be a long year. Everybody gets the same treatment. You can't just show your superstars. Um, you know, we, we don't need to do that. They know who they are. They're making the money that proves who they are. It's the guys that are at the middle of the road that we really need to focus on and work on. And I enjoy doing that as a pitching coach. And I learned, you know, through my times that I'm always going to be fair and equal to everybody on that pitching staff. Nobody's going to know if anybody, nobody's going to know if anybody's a superstar or not. I'm going to be equal to each and every one of them. After your playing days, as you alluded to, you went into coaching. Your last coaching assignment with the Minnesota Twins as their pitching coach. As a coach, who was the most talented prospect that you ever had? Oh, boy. Uh, as a pitcher, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. We had, we had this one kid. His name was uh, Shagwa. And matter of fact, he's still bouncing around. I want to say he's with the Dodgers. He was with the Rays. And he, he threw 102 miles an hour, which wow. was, yeah, and that was, what, six, seven years ago when I got done. And this kid was gifted with a tremendous arm. And I remember have, seeing him. And as I told you earlier in the show, that if you go to the major leagues and you got nothing but one or two pitches, you're going to be a reliever. Right. And this kid could throw 102 miles an hour. But unfortunately, he had trouble throwing it for strikes. Oh. And I see him, and he didn't have much of a breaking ball. So really, he was a he was a one bullet bandit, and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> you had to make sure that you got somebody in there that had a slow pole when you brought him into the game, and they couldn't catch up to that 102 mile an hour fastball, and that's when you used him. But I remember trying to teach him a breaking ball and trying to teach him a breaking ball, and it was the doggone thing. He just couldn't. He couldn't really adapt to it, and he worked his tail off at it, and he did everything he could. And it wasn't his. Uh, it wasn't his. Uh, uh, oh, it wasn't that he had lack of work for it. It's just that it, some people can get it, and some people can't. You ever and, tried? Uh, you ever tried change up with him? Uh, I tried everything with him, and he <laughs> could not. He, he, and I and I told him, I go think fastball with the change up. Just think fastball. <laughs> Well, you throw fastball ninety five. I go, nah, we're not. <laughs> That's not gonna work. <laughs> and so, anyway, the kid's still bouncing around. Though I read his name in the majors, you know, here and there, up and down with AAA. So, if there's something that really bothers me from my time in Minnesota, it was that kid because uh, he had a tremendous arm, and I only had him oh. Maybe for a total in two years, maybe four or five months, he kept coming up and back, you know, back and forth and back and forth. Right. And then I understand he got Tommy John, I believe. He got hurt. And then he, he's still trying to come back because I see him bouncing around with clubs today. But uh, 
that kid had some arm and he was real special. And if I have any regrets, it's, it's uh, not being able to get him that one pitch that could have put him over the hump. And I think made him a lot of money down, down the road. That's good. So let me back up. Let me backtrack a little bit. So when we were over the Mets and Billy Connors was our pitching coordinator, uh, did you ever get to go over to his house? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, no, here we go. Here's story time. <laughs> Billy, had, was, Billy the, was beautiful. We, yeah. we all know that. He had, he had that birdie brought back from Venezuela in 1972. Yeah. Lucy. Named Lucy. Uh-huh. And it was a dirty talking you, bird. <laughs> oh, it was a dirty bird. We Bad dirty we bird. We can't say what that bird. I mean, the bird would. You'd say something to the bird, and he'd cuss you out. <laughs> and, oh uh, yeah, like, the bird wouldn't give you the bird, but you would know what he's saying. And cuss the bird. <laughs> and Billy, I said, Billy, y'all be ashamed of yourself teaching this bird. Said, I didn't teach him that. <laughs> oh, Billy was something else. Bird for, oh, like one time I remember saying, "Hey, Billy, can I have a coke?" And the bird said, "Get it yourself." I mean, he brought that thing back with him and he built that bird lived better than most human beings on the face of this earth. That bird had his own cages. It was built. It was this. And then he got, then he got the three miniature ponies. Uh, And didn't he have two two donkeys too? Yeah, they died. They died. And then he brought, yeah. And then he, he bought three miniature ponies then after that. Oh, I didn't know that. I know he named yeah. one of those one of those donkeys El Duque. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And then he had the dog he had the miniature ponies and, and uh, he called that uh, Mo from Mariana Rivera, Bernie for Bernie Williams, and Jorge. For, oh. you know, Jorge Picasso. <laughs> And and that was their names. And uh, you would be sitting in his house because he lived in a one-level ranch with sliding glass doors on the back of the house. And he had about an acre and a half out in the back there. And he had to have everybody over for a barbecue, and you'd be sitting there. And I'd be damned if them horse, them miniature horses didn't come in and eat off the table while you're eating dinner. <laughs> and, and, and he would he would make them he would make them a plate of food. They were they came family. In and licked off the table. Yeah, they were they, family. They were family. <laughs> and then we had to go to a birthday party for each one, and we would have a birthday cake. And he'd have a birthday cake that looked like a wedding cake. And they would just tear into that big old cake. Oh, Billy was so Oh, he was a mess. Yeah, guy. Whiskey for my man, beer for my horses. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. There was a lot of Billy Martin stories. Yeah. I mean, uh, Billy Connor stories. Oh, oh my right. gosh. Oh, can, my. But like you said, Dan, like you said, things are to be left off the air. Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> but he was a wonderful human being. And now, again, when we're talking pitching, what a helpful human being Billy was. He was out of his way and helped any kid. Everybody, everybody. And that was really good. Yes. Well, absolutely. Well, look, Neil, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here, buddy, but we sure appreciated you uh, stepping aside and and visiting with us. You got it guys. Anytime I enjoyed it. That is our time for this episode of a visit to the mound. Many thanks to our special guest today, 
Neil Allen, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments or anything you would like for us to cover, we would love to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Visit to the Mound or on our website at avisittothemound.com. Make sure you like, subscribe, and review this podcast and be listening the next time we make A Visit to the Mound. That'll wrap up this visit to the mound. We certainly appreciate you joining us today for a little baseball talk. Anytime you want to hear something about baseball, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, or you can go to roguemedianetwork.com for the next edition of A Visit to the Mound. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.